Let's give it up for our music friends. Good job. You know, I do a lot of uh, things in mission and ministry and camps, and uh, I uh, have a chance to be with all kinds of amazing people and, and do all kinds of things kind of around the world, actually. And, and uh, it's, really, uh, it's really awesome for me to be a part of this that um, kind of from a different perspective, but you always know that you're in a quality endeavor when you have really talented people expressing their gifts in amazing ways. And so it's kind of cool to see this team that is really, really quality. And so I, I do say that very honestly, that, that I kind of recognize quality when I'm around it. And it's very refreshing, to be honest, because people relax and just do their gifts. And uh, so like instance, Joe back there is like resident expert sound guy. Let's give it up for Joe. Thank you, thank you, good job. And uh, just another example of a great team that uh, Pete and the folks have put together, and we're just very grateful. So thank you very much. Uh, today, we've been talking about voices, and we've been talking about uh, the voices that we experience, whether inside and outside. And tonight, we're going to become, uh, in the context of voices, I guess what I would call some awareness. Or, you know, it's, it, uh, Aristotle said, you know, the unaware life is truly a life not necessarily lived. And uh, so in the context of that, it's interesting to consider the awareness. And uh, we'll start by, um, and thank you, by the way, for uh, reflecting with me. I get to tell fun stories from life, and I just enjoy it, so thank you. Um, my family has a place and a compound, I call it, up in, up in Wisconsin, and we go there all the time in the summers and spend weeks and weekends there, kind of like this, and it's a, it's a lovely place, and, uh, and it's such a gift from God. I just relax there and, and retreat and, and experience, and so, and with five kids, we had some serious adventures up at the cabin, and uh, so every day we'd have the adventure of the day. And kind of like our, our time out in the field and color wars and things, this is going to be an adventure. And so, and we'd go explore, and we'd explore islands, and we'd hike to the top of domes, and, and just all kinds of amazing adventures. And they're like, oh, Dad, you know, and you know, the, the brains of the operation is someone else. I'm just the program and the entertainment, most part, when it comes to the family. And, uh, and so we, uh, we'd say, okay, today we're going to take the boat and we're going to go over to this place. And, behind, and this wonderful lake, um, but behind there, there was like this kind of swampy slough area that was separated from the lake by this giant bank, you know. And so we parked our boat up on this bank and this giant slough area just had these lily pads just littered through this whole thing. And we noticed, and the, and the boys certainly in the group, they noticed, Dad, there's frogs everywhere. And, and so let's have a frog catching contest. It's like, Okay. And so, you know, catching frogs is harder than it looks. I mean, these, these things are wired to run away from, like, predators. And so, and so you know, so they're, start, they're running around, and they're swimming in this, and they're running and just trying to catch these things just all over the place. I mean, we're having fun. And, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes later, um, uh, Josh, my middle son, he sees uh, there's this frog on this lily pad, and he's... Okay, 
I got this one. And so, and there, there might be a picture here. Of, actually, this is Josh, him with a frog. Actually, He succeeded there, but this is Josh when he was much younger than he is now. And, uh, and so, this is the, yeah, so we're catching these things. But, and so, we get this chance, and he's cre- creeping up on this frog on this lily pad, kind of in this swamp. I mean, it's like, and yeah, he's just like, and you know, they're boys, and they're like, just gritty, and let's get dirty. And, and, so, and so he gets up to this frog, and <laughs> he got it. He caught it. And so he, and he, so he lifts this frog in glee and just excitement and to show his family that he had accomplished catching this frog lifts it out of the water. I did it! And attached to this frog was a giant snapping turtle. And I am not kidding. And he didn't even see it because he was so happy. He's like this. And just down here is this just attached to it. No wonder he caught it, because it was stuck, you know. And we're like, Josh, I mean, let it get And so he finally looks and goes, ah, drops the frog, runs out of the water. Of course, we're like, you know, it's turtle-infested waters now. And so everybody's like, and uh, it was, you know, it's kind of, it was wild. I mean, you know, the creation is wild. There's violence going on in the creation. And, and so, you know, and so this frog's like this. And we did kind of watch this breakfast happen of this turtle after that. So, and they were, it was like, you know, it's so interesting. This thing's just sitting there all innocent on the lily pad. On the surface, everything's looking awesome. What an adventure, you know. But underneath the surface... There's a lot more going on that's wild, that's difficult, that's challenging, that might even be uh, fairly destructive. And so there's a lot going on underneath the surface. And tonight, as we've been looking at people, humans, we've been looking at image bearers and Jesus has come across an image bearer that on the surface looks great, but under the surface there's a lot going on. And uh, interesting story, and we're just going to unpack this together and look at some things about uh, what's going on that we might become aware of, that we would like to look into about awareness, about some of our condition underneath the surface. And so, in Mark, it says this, and he was setting out on his journey, and a man ran up to him and knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And it's interesting, so here's this person, and, you know, he asked a great question. People might ask us this. We might be ready to answer. Hopefully we would be, is how do I get to heaven? How do I get there? Honest question. Honest question. And, uh, and Jesus says a weird thing, and it's, it's like, how do you make sense of this? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? 
No one is good except God alone. And there was a reason he said that, is that he was putting up this picture of the Father, of God the Father, as perfect, as completely holy, as absolutely spot-free perfect. No one is good. No one is good except for God alone. And he said that for a reason. And as we go on in the story, he begins to unpack it. No one is good except God alone. And then Jesus says, you know the commandments. Oh, I think we have a picture of this guy. Yeah. And so, oh, vintage postcard here. Yeah. And so, and so ruler sits down and starts talking to him. And then Jesus turns to the rich man and says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And so Jesus goes through this list of commandments. And he said to him, the rich person said, the young man said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. And Jesus said, looking at him, and he loved him. Once again, Jesus was with an image bearer. And Jesus reached out with his, all of himself and said, Man, I love this guy. I love this guy. I love him so much that I, I need to tell him some truth about some things. I love him so much. And it's interesting when the, what the rich young rulers, uh, the, the person's response was, I've done all the commandments. I've obeyed everything. In some sense, I've worked my way. I've gotten myself to God. And often we might look at the commandments as some list. Like, well, if we pile up over here and do good, do good, do good, maybe it will outweigh the other stuff in my life. And so if I just do enough good, it'll you know, tip the scales my way. That's one way to look at the commandments. That's one way to look at it. And rightly so. And that might be a mentality. And many we run into probably, if I'm just better, if I could just do better, if I could just do good, I'll make it. If I could just check off more on the good side and less on the bad side. That's one way to look at the law, and I think that's what this young, young person was doing. Another way to look at the law and, or the commandments is, it's a list for sure, and in some ways, it's kind of a test. And the test is difficult and significant, and it's actually, you know, and as Paul says in Romans, the law is designed to show us how far we might fall short of God, holy, perfect. And so the law goes on. And, you know, Jesus even says, you know, everything in the law, you have to be perfect like I am perfect. And the law shows us what perfection is. And Jesus even took it to a farther degree. You know, it says, do not murder, do not do this. And in Matthew, it says this, it says, well, I tell you, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. But I will tell you, 
the nth degree, the perfection, if you're angry with anyone, I say to you, you've murdered in your heart. Guilty today. On a phone call, I was quite agitated. Guilty today. That's me. I was angry. Oh, that means I killed someone? But that's Jesus saying, the law and its perfection. I also say to you, if you look at someone with lust in your eyes, I would say to you, you've also committed adultery with that person in your heart. Perfect. The nth degree. The law shows us how far we fall short. And in that context, I would say that it's not necessarily about doing this or doing that or not doing this and doing that. It's actually showing us how attached we are to things over God. For instance, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, everything. Love God more than anything. And so I don't think it was an issue of the resources of this young person. It was just the issue that this person held resources up over his love for God. And that was an attachment. And that made it difficult. And so I hope you understand that. It's about God's perfect law on one hand and this person trying to get there through obeying these commandments. And yet the law shows us how imperfect, like holding up a mirror and shows us how imperfect that we actually are, and including this, this uh, element of this person. And it goes on to say, and Jesus looking at him, and he loved him, and he said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have. Give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. And so Jesus pointed out the one thing in this person's life. It wasn't necessarily about the resources that they were bad or evil or sinful. It's just that this person attached himself way more to that than to God. And so he pointed out the one thing that he lacked, the one place where he was not perfect, the one place. And it could be any other number of lists of all kinds of things. I love baseball. I watch it a lot. Could, it, could I love that more than God? Yes, it's possible. I could be very attached to that. And it would point out, oh, is that falling short? Do I love that more than God? And it says this, disheartened by saying the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And so this guy was like, I'm out. I don't make it. It's not going to happen. Even though God loved him, Jesus gave him grace and mercy, I'm out. Tough. Really tough. And, you know, the Bible goes on in that context. All of us, it shows us. It shows me a condition of my heart. That there's going to be some place and some space where my condition is going to fall short. And it is shown to us by this perfect law.
There's nobody good except God, me included. The Bible goes on to say, all, all have sinned and fall short. All of us. And that sin leads us to some difficult things. Or that sin leads us to, it says the wages of sin is death or separation from God. In Isaiah it says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each have turned to his own way. It's what's going on below the surface that's difficult and challenging. And the story goes on. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. And they were exceedingly astonished. Now, I love the disciples here, and here's why. They were mad. <laughs> they were like, Jesus Think about what you just did. This person was wealthy. This person was good-looking. This person could help us. This person could be a leader, and you sent him packing. Are you crazy? Are you nuts? That was maybe their response. They were astonished. They're like, and they're probably also saying, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. If this person, who could not or, let, or left packing, and it goes on to say this exactly this way. They were exceedingly astonished and said to him, and I love this, I love this, don't miss this. And the, I bet the disciples were almost screaming at Jesus at this point. Then who can be saved? Who can be saved? If this cat can't, we're out too. I mean, they were angry. And based on the law and based on the perfection and based on everything that just happened, yeah, it was a tough one. Who can be saved? Who can possibly be saved? And then Jesus, and remember at the beginning it said, Jesus came full of grace, loved everybody, and truth, here's the truth, and we're dealing with some significant truth right now. I am too. But I think he says in this next phrase, the most important phrase of the entire Bible, and I'm not kidding. Don't miss this. Everybody sit up and look at this. This is important. It says, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. With man, it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. What does that mean? What does that mean? Because for us, with us, in our own strengths, and people will resist this, and I mean, there's people in this room, me, myself included, if I just get better, if I just shine myself up, God will accept me. Impossible. It would be like a contest of us swimming from San Diego to Hawaii. I mean, there might be some people that could go a mile. I did a triathlon this 
uh, at our cabin this, this summer, and we did like a third mile swim. I almost passed away. I mean, it was so good. And, uh, and so they're like, come on, Dad, you can do it. You know, no way. So, but literally, from San Diego to Hawaii, no one. Impossible. It's impossible for anyone to swim from there to there. Impossible. For man, it is impossible to get ourselves to God. To get ourselves to God. And then he says, the greatest thing. And it is, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Which, in the context of our condition, is really great news. And in the process of this, that the wages of sin is death, ugh, but some process of death that makes it possible is part of the hope that we'll take a look at tomorrow in the next several days. But I don't think we just jump there. And here's why. I think awareness would suggest that we have to pick up the frog and look under the surface. We have to look at the condition of ourselves because if we're not aware of that if we're like we're good I'm good if the rich young ruler said I'm good no worries I've done everything right I'm good we miss the solution we miss the possibility because it wouldn't mean anything and so so considerate is this time for us to consider with us impossible with God all things are possible and we are going to leave that right there for this time and yet the hope and I would say the ultimate incredible solution will be on its way and so but let us ponder that tonight and in our small groups let us ponder this condition impossibility up against the perfect law and let us consider what's going on below the surface let's pray and then Peter's going to have some great questions for us in our small groups and thank you let's pray Lord have mercy Christ have mercy Lord we are somewhat blown away by the story uh, the story of a person that was doing everything, doing it all right. Uh, Lord, your interaction with this human, this image bearer, one is, and just like you say to all of us, you loved him. You loved him. And you love us, Lord. You came to us for full of grace and full of truth. And Lord, let us have the reality of some of these truths tonight sink in. Let us take a look, that we might become aware, that we might understand the, some of the impossibilities for sure, but also let us understand what you reveal to us in the hope of all the possibilities. Just like the young person asked, how do I consider eternal life? 
How does this work? And Lord, in this story, as we unpack it, and as we unpack our own lives, help us to become aware of the voices and help us to become aware of some of the solutions of the possibilities. Lord, we love you, we worship you, we honor you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Have a great time in your groups. Thank you very much. Thank you.